Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick, and I have I have updates. Um, okay, so if you listened to last week's episode, you heard me crying like a little baby uh, that uh, I miss vacations. Um, I wasn't actually crying, but I was whining pretty hardcore. Uh, well, update: I have manifested a vacation. You're all going to be so happy for me, right? Okay, so here's the deal. So even after I was talking to Kirby in the Would You Rather, I still was not convinced that he wasn't, that he didn't have something like planned to surprise me for our anniversary or my birthday. So there was a Saturday um, where since then that he was gone. And I, being the worst person alive, uh, decided I was going to ruin I needed to know for sure. Did he have a vacation or not? And uh, I was going to ruin the surprise. So I went into his computer. Uh, this is terrible, but like, you know, whatever. We're happily married, so it's fine. Um, and went on to his Sun Country account because his computer has all the logins. I don't know the logins. And go to my trips. Nothing. There are no trips planned. So then I'm like, okay, well, maybe we're flying Delta. So then I go into Delta. My trips. Nothing. And so I realized that mofo actually doesn't have a trip planned like he told me he didn't. Um, so then I had to take things into my own hands. And I started where everyone starts when they're looking for a random vacation is Google Flights. And I found some cheap flights to L.A. And I'm like, OK, what can I do in L.A.? I can go to Disneyland. I love Disneyland. And so then I went into our Marriott's because I'm still on his computer with all the logins. And I find a hotel that we can have points. And I send him a text. He was gone for like two hours. And I send him a text being like, Okie doke. So we can get to LA for this many Delta points. We can stay in this hotel for this many points. We don't have Disney points. So we're just going to cough up the money there. Uh, thoughts and the poor schmuck just in order to love me and support me had to say, yes, He's, he goes, it's still not financially the best decision, but I love you. And this seems important. So we're doing that. So there's there you go. See, some would say that I am, um, well, I don't know what other people would say a lot of stuff, but I think I just manifested it. I wanted it. I made it. 
happen. Um, oh, I also want to take this moment to teach you a new word that I created. Um, and this is called word hole. Don't be a word hole. So I was at a retreat. None of them are listening, so it's okay. And I don't think anybody would know who it was. So a word hole is somebody who really fixates on a certain word while you are uh, like brainstorming something and they won't stop using the word to get across their point. And so then that word starts to enrage you. Here's an example. Um, this one time I was sitting down with a group of chiropractors and we were supposed to be coming up with like core values of um, our team of chiropractors. And somebody got very fixated on the word integrity. And so we were trying to like consolidate and being like, okay, so I, you know, cause we couldn't have like 15 words. We were supposed to have like only five or six. And, you know, so we're like, you know what? I feel like integrity. I don't remember what we were trying to like nestle it under. Um, and this person was just like, no, to me, integrity means this. And they kept, and like, so like 15, 20 minutes go by and this person is still using, like really fighting for this word integrity. And to this day, we were just like, oh my gosh, we still joke about like, please don't use the word integrity because it was ruined. It was ruined in the course of a half hour. Um, so don't be a word hole, people. So when you're brainstorming on a team, um, just move on. Use different words. If it feels like the team isn't going with you with things, then maybe try, instead of force feeding, like no, and fighting for that word, just use a different word. Don't be a word hole. I created that for you. So go ahead, make that, um, take that and make it grow. Especially since my colloquialism from last week, the can is in the garage. Uh, it's not taking off yet. I don't really know what it means. My mom messaged me like, what, what does that even, what would that mean? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what most colloquialisms mean. The sharpest crayon in the box. Is that, is that the, is that the one? Is it the sharpest tool in the shed is definitely one. I know that one's true. And that's about people being stupid. Um, so I don't know what the can in the garage. I think it's like a secret, like a skeleton in the closet. That can is still in the garage. I'm keeping that. I don't know. Anyways, let's try and make word hole work. Um, we'll grow that. Ironically, I actually, this is 100% by coincidence, where the word hole story happened was at a leadership event um, that is on my like to-dos to tell you about cool upcoming events. Um, so the Pediatric Experience has a team and leadership event in Crystal Lake coming up October 28th and 29th. I will have that link below for you to check out the details. Um, <laughs> the event was fantastic that I went to last summer or two summers ago. Gosh, I don't know. What year is it? 2022. Yeah, it was 20 summer of 2021. Um, so it was no reflection on the event that the word hole person became a word hole. Um, great event, but truly just really funny, random stuff that that story would come up, uh, the same time that I'm promoting that event saying like, it was awesome. You should go. Um, I really didn't give this non sequitur as to why that 
that word hole came up. I was at a retreat and somebody was being a word hole. This was just in the last week. I tell you, can you guys tell when I've had 20 cups of coffee and not enough water? <laughs> okay. The good news is, is today's guest has her shit together way more than me. Um, and this was a really good episode. There are some episodes that are very chiropractic. And then there are some that um, are applicable to multiple different careers. And this is one of them. So Shelly Warren is a team and leadership coach, and she's the host of the Biz Chicks Sister podcast, Stacking Your Team. At Biz Chicks Incorporated, she leverages her 26 years of experience leading technical teams to deliver multi-million dollar projects for billion dollar brands at Procter & Gamble Incorporated, to now helping small business owners to hire, fire, and inspire an incredible team of high performance. She is also known for her teaching style, her passion to inspire more women leaders, and her ability to say the right thing in delicate situations. <laughs> that is a strength I do not have. I'm working on it, though. I, I am actively getting so much better at this. So she lives in Canada. You'll be able to tell that just like little, little accent uh, where she coaches biz chicks clients across the globe and spends her flow Fridays with her daughters, Danielle and grandbaby Ellie. So we are talking about meetings today and how to have impactful meetings. Being, in my experience, uh, the more and more team that I get and the more that I am spending less hours a week adjusting and more hours a week just running the business, uh, I realize the importance of meetings and what all the different types of meetings can look like. Um, so you'll hear me complain quite a bit about meetings, but she gives a lot of great advice. So if you are a CEO, if you've got a team, this is an episode that you are going to enjoy. So let's breathe. If you're driving, please keep your eyes open. If you're walking or running, also probably a good idea. Take a breath. Thank you for spending this time with me. I want you to know that I don't take this for granted. And when I am, when I am recording a podcast, I imagine that I am sitting with you right now as my friend and apparently not having a very good conversation because I don't let you talk the whole time. And I'm sorry about that. Um, but I want you to know that I think you are incredible and you are so important. And what you're doing, whether you're a chiropractor or not, is meaningful. And that if you need a friend, you can reach out to me. I want you to know that I've got you and I will do everything in my power to make sure that you are living your true purpose and feel fulfilled in life and will laugh along the way. Okay, so here we go. Here is my episode, my conversation with Shelly Warren on meetings. Tell me yeah. your, your podcast, because I rarely have other podcast hosts on. Mm. 
Yeah. So I have a podcast. It's called Stacking Your Team Podcast, and it is designed for service-based business owners. So those service-based business Perfect. owners that are growing team. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, and so it's the sister podcast of the Biz Chicks podcast. So yes. the Biz Chicks podcast has been around since 2014. And I joined Natalie's team four years ago. Uh, as a team leadership coach, I host a group coaching program. It's called the Leadership Lab. And um, we launched the podcast because our clients were starting to build teams. Mm -hmm. And now, so she has a group coaching program. It's called Six Figures Lab. And she works with those service-based business owners that have a minimum of $3,000 a month, trying to get them to 6K in revenues and then 6K in profit and more. The Leadership Lab is designed for existing business owners who have a team of five or more, including remote team members. Mm -hmm. And they come into that group coaching program to learn how to lead a team. So we do everything from you know, how to be that leader that your business and your team need you to be. And then I also, I spent 25 years plus at Procter & Gamble. So all of the leadership, project management, leading, like I had teams of sometimes of 60 people or more, very highly technical teams members. So I've taken what I learned there and I just strip it down to make it something more valuable for the small mm -hmm. A service-based business owner who has a team of five or more, but there's definitely women in the leadership lab that have 40 or more people on their team. Some of them have multiple locations. Some of them have complementary businesses. Mm -hmm. So they have a brick and mortar, but they also have an online component to right. their business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes, so I have a friend who just started a like membership style health mm -hmm. clinic, she's not a chiropractor. She's a nurse practitioner yeah. and, you know, she was working in a hospital setting mm -hmm. for the last 20 years, but now is running a team and like running her own clinic. And she's been reaching out to me because, so I've been in practice 12 years. I'm younger than her, but like, I've been running a business longer. And, you know, her most recent thing was like, how did you like become a good leader. And I laugh and I'm like, I don't know that I'm there yet. Um, okay. Do they teach like leadership stuff? If you were to go to like business school and get an MBA, like they have classes on becoming a leader. No. So, yeah. so how do people like, is there a way, like if you graduate, you're 24, 25 years old and you're like, okay, within a year, I'm going to have a team of four people under me. Like, how do you recommend people shorten the gap of becoming a leader? Well, if a lot of it is self-discovery. So it's really starting to test out what are you good at? What do you get complimented for? Mm -hmm. And then what do you feel like your knees go weak when you have to do something? So for most people, having difficult conversations with their team members is what make their knees go weak. Yeah, And it's especially because they just don't have enough experience at it. But things that do burst their boost their confidence is maybe they're really great at welcoming new people onto the team. So they're very much engaged in making sure that that first moment of truth when someone joins your team is incredibly wonderful for you and the new person. So it's really looking at what are you really good at? And then what do you know that you're not so great at? And then being willing to be coachable to learn those skills because people do not go to school to learn how to lead people. They just don't. It's something that you can practice over years. So if you were a volunteer when you were younger, you led a troop of kids or you 
you know, you worked at your church's um, Sunday school program. So you were able to really interact with children and, and really get to know what that teenager's like versus that youth, young adult versus, uh, you know, a small kiddo. But it's really, if you've not had a lot of experience working with various individuals and learning how to get people to rally together towards a goal or an outcome or learn how to, you know, no, it's, it's her turn now, <laughs> like literally teaching people how to wait their turn or teaching people how to break down a task in smaller components that they can go after in such a way that they're self-motivated to get to the end line. So all those things about leading people, we either learn through teaching, like from, they have a mentor or they really watch their own leader and they're learning from their own leader. That can be helpful too. Cause you're, you're learning what you appreciate about that leader and what you don't appreciate about that leader. And both are incredibly value as you're evolving as a leader. Because do you feel, sorry, do you feel like um, women in general have different, uh, I don't want to say weaknesses, <laughs> not strengths compared to like men. Like when you said like we really like having hard conversations, is that something unique to women that they struggle a little bit more with than men? Yes. Yeah, so, and the difference between those two sexes really is that men are conditioned to have a difficult situation or be angry with someone, state what's on their mind, and then drop it and move on. Mm -hmm. Women are conditioned to be kind, be caring, share, uh, put yourself in the other person's shoes, never cause a scene, don't rock the boat. You know, that's what we were conditioned as growing up as little girls. So when we get into the world of work, oftentimes women are more concerned about hurting someone's feelings, wrecking the relationship to the point where it's, it's unrepairable, mm -hmm. crying, like visibly crying in front of their team or the people they're responsible to. And then also just flubbing it up. Like, I don't know what to say. What am I supposed to do? And so about six months ago now, I introduced a new style of podcast every month. There's a new episode every month. It's called Ask Shelly How to Say It. And what I do is I literally walk you through, like the listeners through a scenario, and I give them all the words and the phrases so that they can go and have those adult conversations where they learn to be able to host those coaching conversations in such a way that they're not there to be an emotional wreck. They're mm -hmm. there to be the leader and help turn that person's performance around because that's usually why you're in the difficult situation is because there was some sort of expectation that wasn't met. And now someone's disappointed, resentful, and at times downright angry because mm -hmm. it created a lot of rework and just created a, a bunch of constraints in the business that is frustrating for everyone. Yeah, I was reading, um, Gary V has a book, I think it's called like 12 and a half and it's like on soft leadership skills. Mm -hmm. And one of them he talked about was candor. Yeah. And how, and like, honestly, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I'm, I'm going to be 36 this year. Like I said, mm -hmm. I've been running a business since I was 24. And sometimes I think like, 
how is it taking me this long to get to where I am? Like our other people. Um, but so I've never really thought about the word candor and he, but he has a whole chapter about it. So here mm-hmm. I am learning about candor and he's talking about how like giving feedback is really, really important because so often in the avoidance of like not wanting to have these difficult conversations, you don't give the employee the feedback that they need to change. And so then you find yourself in a situation where you're preparing to fire them because Mm -hmm. they've just not met your expectations for so long, but like a good leader can like have this conversation to let them know, like give them the opportunity um, to do that. And so I was like, oh, that, that is hard. That's really hard. hard. It it is hard. There's, there's a recent book that came out a couple of years ago. I cannot remember the author's name, but we can definitely include it in the show notes, but the book, the title of the book is radical candor. And what Mm -hmm. she's doing is she's reinforcing all of that. And I think sometimes in the world of work with women, especially women can tell themselves a story that they'll say to themselves, well, he should have just known that that didn't meet my expectations. He mm-hmm. should have known that wasn't on standards. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they could tell by the look on my face that that really wasn't what I wanted. So there's mm-hmm. all these assumptions that people can read your facial expressions, read your body language, read between the lines and figure out what it is that you want. And that wastes so much time and I call that the gray zone, right? Like what we want to do is we want to have black and white expectations and direction for people. Let's get rid of the gray zones because when those gray zones are there, speculation, that's a sandbox for speculation because they'll try and figure out what it is that you really want. And they could be totally off the mark or they could be over delivering, you know, breaking their neck trying to over deliver when what you really wanted was this and you would have been delighted to have this. To some people, like, I feel like I struggle because a lot of times I may not know exactly what I want mm-hmm. until I'm starting to get it back. And I'm like, no, no, I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> it's like, I didn't mm-hmm. need to withhold or gatekeep information. Yeah. I just was like, mm, no, not that. Now I'm finding out more. So like, do you have just like all of these little meetings with people to make it black and white? Like, is your day just full of meetings? Heck no. I don't want anyone to come to work every day, whether you're the CEO or whether you're in a leadership role or whether you are on the extended team at a business. No one wants to come to work and spend their entire day in a meeting. It's just not worthwhile. It does not feel worthwhile. So what we want to do is we want to have a combination of meetings and work processes and tools that can really help build self-sufficiency on your team. So the other thing for you, for someone like you, what I think might be helpful for you is if you were to literally talk about your preferences. So when you are delegating something to someone to describe to them the best that you can about your preferences. So even something as simple as, I want to work this way, not that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last time we created something like this, it was broken here. It worked great to this yeah. point, but then it then it just broke. And so as we're looking to 
um, you know, revise that and freshen that up. Let's make sure we take into consideration what caused the break and then let's fix it. So the new version is so much better for all of us because we know there's not that pending doom where we're going to reach this point and then uh, that's not going to work as much as we had hoped it would be. So just describing to people, here's what I'm, here's what I'm thinking. I want this and here's why I think we need it. And here's the people that I think are going to use it. And here's how I think it's going to help people. So based on what we have right now, what do you think we could create that would marry nicely to what we already have, but up-level that experience for the team or up-level that experience for the client? So it's really becoming better at describing what's locked in your brain. And if you can draw something out and you don't need to be an artist by any means, because I am not, but where I used to work at that Fortune 50 corporation, I was famous for just drawing something on a piece of paper and then giving it to someone and having them ask me a few more questions. And then they take the paper and they run with it and they come back with the thing and it's brilliant. So it's really just about saying, I want this to fit in with this and that's going to link over to that. And here's what I want to have as the experience or the outcome. So just learning how to describe what you want to the individuals that are going to build it Mm-hmm. is going to save so much time. And then over time, they're going to realize, okay, when she says this, this is what she really means. Yeah. And so like, that's really helpful because I feel like so many entrepreneurs that are excited about building a business um, tend to kind of fall in that like visionary, mm-hmm. right? Like the visionary executor. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's in my head, but I don't really know. And so then what ends mm-hmm. up happening is we just do it all because yes. it's, it, it's easier to just do it yeah. than to, you know, describe it. But that, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, can every, how do you teach your employees to ask questions back because that's something I struggle with where I'll be like and I I haven't tested them or anything like that but like I feel like I could do some like give them a project or Mm -hmm. um, that I know they need more information like for instance like I want you to throw a party a patient appreciation party and like if I haven't given them a budget I know they're gonna need to know how much am I allowed Mm -hmm. to spend and so like and I struggle because sometimes like I'm in this visionary thing and I need them to ask me questions, but then they don't. And they're like, okay, sounds good. And I'm like, you didn't, how do you, can you, is that something you can teach someone? Sure it is. So the first, in that particular scenario, what would make a wonderful outcome for you and your team is if there is this sense of safety to ask you the questions, mm. even the dumb questions even the questions that you answered before, right? We need to set up that dynamic with the team that says- (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'm totally safe. And then you said like re-asking a question and I'm like, oh, that's where I go wrong. I hate repeating myself. Right. So so that's that's an outcome for you. So that's a goal for you, Lauren, is that you want to create systems, tools, and a communication style where- You never have to repeat yourself because your team members have a decision space. You've given them the decision space and the psychological safety for them to act on your request and build and execute something on your behalf as an extension of the brand 
in a really great way because they know your preferences and they know your boundaries. So one thing that is incredibly frustrating for team members is when they're asked to do something and then the the CEO is standing behind them, breathing down their neck, watching and waiting for them to make a mistake where they can course correct them. Or they set up a dynamic where you delegate a task to them or give them a ownership area. And I'm, I'm using air quotes here for ownership area where you think you've given them ownership, but in reality, they don't own anything other than making it happen. So you're not giving them a budget of how much to spend. You're not telling them, hey, I need this done in a week and here's why. You're not telling them, hey, this is going to be something that is going to become a standard here at the practice. This isn't a one-time thing. We're going to create this and this is going to become how we do work. So let's make sure we get input from other, your peers, clients and users. Let's make sure the experience is what we intended to. So I think sometimes we can have these visionary moments where we can just say, I want this thing. Can you go make this thing? Or I want you to own this project. And then the person feels really great because you've recognize their potential, you've acknowledged their capabilities, and then they go walk away thinking, wait a minute, what is it that I own here? Do I really own this? Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to own it and do a bang up job of it, there's some missing pieces to this puzzle. Now the person has to circle back with you. And if they're reluctant to do that, because it was a bad experience the last time they circled back with you, or if they're afraid that they're going to show up looking like someone who can't think on their feet and they know you really appreciate people that can think on your feet because you're a person that can think on your feet. Mm -hmm. um, then we set up that dynamic where the person's just going to go and try to make this happen and try to win at it, meaning they're going to try to meet all of your expectations. So what we want to do is you want to create decision spaces for people. When, when someone's going to own something, they need to have a decision space that matches it. And within what do you that mean de by decision space. So within that, so if you were to saying that your um, your example here earlier was you wanted them to create a customer um, or client appreciation event within that project that they're going to own and they're going to execute, you need to tell them what your preferences are. And your preferences could be anything from, I want this to happen on a Saturday. Um, I'm prepared to, to pay $5,000 for this. I would like to feature some of our team members. I want some client testimonials. I want our social media person there to be able to take great action shots that we can use as marketing collateral. I want it to feel festive. And here's what I mean by that. Mm -hmm. And I would like it to be easily repeatable. So if we're going to buy any assets for hosting this kind of a celebration or a party, let's think about long term. If we're going to buy some assets, some equipment, some, you know, everything from party favors or cutlery or any of that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. let's think about repurposing and reusing these things. So let's not buy, you know, those one time products that are just going to go in the garbage because that's that goes against our own vision here at the practice we you know we like to look at sustainability so what you're doing is you're listing out for them what your preferences are what those boundaries are within that decision space and then now the person 
is armed with what they need to go and do an incredible job. Hey, She Slayers, so many of you connect with my story as a chiropractor because I started all wrong. Years into practice, I had to completely turn it around from being an insurance and pain-based model to a thriving subluxation-based cash practice. I have a lot of ways that that happened, but I am not exaggerating when I say the number one thing I changed was adding CLA's Insight scanning technology. The Insight helped grow our practice from 300 people a week to over 500 a week in the course of one year, purely by showing objective findings and providing reports to patients. So many docs I talk to struggle to communicate the why behind a care plan when the patient's pain goes away in a few visits. They struggle to keep patients after insurance stops paying. They don't know how to explain why a kid benefits from chiropractic care, even though they have no symptoms. They don't do progress exams because what am I going to do to show the patient progress? I am telling you every single thing I just said, my answer to the doc is, are you using insight scanning technology in your clinic yet? Because it's the solution to all of those issues. If you have questions, the staff at CLA is absolutely incredible and will help answer those questions and help implement this big change into your practice. Click the link below in the show notes as She Slays listeners get preferred pricing and hundreds of dollars off their purchase. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like this seems like something that if I was a CEO at a company that had, you know, was a $10 million company, 50 employees, I feel like as a CEO, I would be forced to let go a lot more than when you're this under a million dollar company, five employees as a CEO, we get to, even if we say we don't want to, we get to have our fingers in every single decision. And like, and so then we're like, oh, I just don't want to micromanage, but yet it's like, but I have the opportunity to micromanage because you know, like if I had 50 employees, there's no way I would be able to micromanage every decision. Does that make sense where it's kind of like, it's a hard thing. It's a hard skill to develop because we don't have to. Right. But you should be wanting to, this should be a huge driver for you is that you want to attend less meetings and have less ownership and build and nurture more leaders in your business. Because the more leaders that you have in the business, the less you have to do personally, but the compounded effort of the entire clinic just explodes. So in this particular example, of the, the customer appreciation celebration event, what you could do to help you feel better, and this is all about you, not the team member, but to help you feel better, you could set up, let's say you're giving this person a month, like you've given them a date, like some parameters of the dates you wanna do it next month. You could set up a quick check-in every two weeks to have this person who is leading this event come and give you an update on where are we at? And that's your chance to be able to provide them any feedback and encourage them. Like you wanna be able to say to them, oh my gosh, I love this. This is exactly what I was thinking. Have you thought about doing this as well, right? So it's your way to 
help like guide them through this without feeling overpowering because I'm sure you've all been there where you've, you've built something, you've created something. And the day later or at the 11th hour, the leader comes in and goes, mm, yeah, I don't like that. I want this moved this way. Your team members' heads, time. your your team members' heads literally explode off their shoulders uh. when, you, when you do those things to them. So what you want to do is you want to give them the ownership with the decision space attached to it with all the details of what that decision space is and then set up and agree as adults, you're going to meet at this point and this point of the project journey so that you can feel better about the direction they're going with the project and also give them some feedback and encouragement along the way. And that way, the more you go through that process, the more trust you're going to build with them, they're going to start trusting you more. And you're going to be way more encouraged, Lauren, to give people bigger ownership areas. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to move from an event. You're going to move from that to something way bigger because your team is going to prove to you what they've got. Like they're bringing it. They want to bring it. They want to do everything it is to be able to knock your socks off. But what they also want is this room to breathe yes. and be creative because they're creative too. And they're also bought in on this. Like this is their, this is their place of work. This is where they come to provide worthwhile work. They want to showcase what every team member has and feel that level of collaboration. So let them do what you hired them to do. Even when it's uncomfortable for you. Right. And that's it. It's super uncomfortable because it's like, but what if their end product isn't as good as what my end product would have been? So, and so that's where I just keep the employees from growing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's when, you know, I, I talk about this all the time on the, on my podcast, but what I'm really here, I think my whole purpose in life is to help leaders be the leader that their business and team needs them to be, but to also realize that part of their role is to help their, their team stop thinking like employees and start thinking like business owners. Like the every, minute, every entrepreneur says that's what they want. And then we go and act completely differently. Like, yeah. you're like I want them to take ownership. I want mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. you've done a really good job of giving very, very good examples as to how you can switch that mindset for them. Okay. Let's talk about meetings. So, mm -hmm. cause you've, you've, you've talked about how one of the better ways to empower them is to just like set a time where you're going to meet. So are there different types when you're saying meetings, what do you mean by that? Like, what's the difference between like, a, hey, do you have a few minutes to chat before we start seeing patients? Like, is that okay? Or does it, should it be like, we're going to meet every Wednesday at this time? How do you like go about different types of meetings in that? Well, first of all, let's remember that there's a full suite of meetings that you could have in your business at the appropriate times. So what we don't want to do, we never want to host a meeting just because we're hosting a meeting. That is suicide for you and everyone else on your team. <clears throat> what we want to do, do mean like, so I'm so sorry that I wanted. So do you, we have like a weekly team meeting. Mm -hmm. Gold star. 
Yes. For the but team. That's just having a meeting for a meeting. Just having a meeting because you think you're supposed to, you know, without an intention. Okay. Without an agenda, without a real purpose, a real purpose. And where you invite all your team members there when they really don't need to be there. And then when you attend every meeting, when you know you don't really need to be there. Okay. That's, that's not the team dynamic that we want. So at BizChicks, I like to encourage our clients to think about meetings in two different ways. We have touch points, right? And touch points could be you're literally walking out to the car parking lot with a team member and you take the advantage or they take the advantage to ask you a quick question. That's a touch point. That's yeah. you showing up face-to-face eye contact with someone in your team and you're helping them. You're providing them assistance. Those are wonderful touch points to have. Meetings can be anything from a daily huddle where you are literally standing up. I love the stand-up daily huddle because it will inevitably make those shorter, right? We want to get those to 15 minutes or less, preferably 10 minutes. So those daily huddles, they're really designed to be able to have a quick concentrated conversation with key people that are running your operations. And you're literally saying to people, okay, everyone has a few minutes on the go. We're starting with you, then you, then you, then you, then you. What's up? What's happening? You want to hear from your admin team. Uh, We have a phone repair um, person coming in today at 10 o'clock. Here's my plan to be able to cover the phones and have a backup system for when those lines are down as the technicians there to repair them. You want to hear that. Um, You also want to hear from your um, associate. Hey, I'm putting my vacation in for today. Just letting you know, I'm requesting it for three months from now. Just a quick heads up on that. Um, Someone else that has, you know, that's looking after your supplies may be able to say, hey, I noticed this morning when I was doing inventory, we're running low on this. Just want you to know that's my priority today. I will reorder it. If I can't reorder, I will get in the car and I will go and get it from the supply store and bring it back and restock today. Like those daily huddles, it's all about What are the potential fires that could erupt today? And what's their plan of action to make sure it doesn't happen? So it's, what is it that you need to know today to help you be the highest performer in your role that you have? That's what a daily huddle is. 15 minutes or less, it's standing up and it's really giving that eye contact and the earing, you know, you're hearing each other voice, whatever their concerns are for the today, for the day. And then you move on, you go go about your day. Having a weekly team meeting is a wonderful idea for you as a CEO to show up. However, you can develop a leadership team so that you're only going to like call it the first 10 minutes of that meeting. And then you have a leadership team member that takes over the rest of the agenda. Hi friends. I wanted to take a quick break from the episode to make sure you all know about the cool stuff we have happening over on Patreon. This is a platform where I can offer you extra content, behind the scenes interviews, quick trainings, and exclusive trainings answering your exact question live, back to back with me. It's a way for me to more directly interact with you and post some fun things that would never be in the normal weekly episodes. To check out what we're doing and to sign up, click the link in the show notes. So that you're buying back that time And your team learns how to maximize your time when you're there. If they know Lauren's only here for the first 15 minutes of the meeting, what do we want to make sure that we get her point of view on, that we get her perspective or we get her alignment on? When we have that, she can leave. And then Hillary, 
mm-hmm. our lead, um, you know, our clinic director yep. is going to take us through the rest of this meeting. And those meetings, we want to get down to a half an hour or less. Okay. So the goal is always to be incredibly effective, have the right people there, and to always have an intention for those meetings. Because the best meetings are the ones where something gets done. Those are the favorite team meetings is when you go to any kind of a meeting where something actually gets done. We've created something. We've solved a problem. We've made a decision. We've moved this project forward. um, And people know the direction. They know what their next best step is. Those are the most effective meetings you can have. And by the way, as a CEO, you don't need to be at all these meetings, Lauren. Right. So what do you do? Okay. So currently I have like 12, I think I'm one of the 12, I think. Um, So (laughs) I have, we have a weekly team meeting where all of us, all four doctors, all seven CAs and my husband, who's like behind the scenes sit down. Mm -hmm. So it tends to be an hour and it, and like, it's funny because on days where we really don't have much that we're accomplishing, it tends to be an hour. And then on days where we have a lot we're accomplishing, it tends to be an hour. And, you know, we try and balance like, you know, there's certain things that need to be reported. So every week we report on like, okay, here was last week's numbers. Here's Mm -hmm. this, here's this. And, you know, but then we try and start the meeting before we jump in of like, what's the good news. So we spend a couple Mm -hmm. minutes talking about that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, how do we, how do you cut down on a meeting? Cause I feel like there's just all this filler. How do you cut down on the unnecessary? Because I feel like it's the, the niceties is what easily gets cut. You know, like yeah. I tend to communicate more. I, I hate using this phrasing, um, but like a, a man. So like, I would love if we could take this hour meeting and we cut down all of the niceness and it's just like here's this here's this here's the problem great good but then I come across like a jackass and that's not what my team of like almost all women like yes so this is a leadership team meeting that you're hosting and you could have a goal and it's on it's on people's calendar as an hour but the goal is to get it done in 45 minutes Mm. and still provide that those niceties at the very beginning that is really the foundations of your culture because it always starts with your leadership team meeting or your leadership team members and then that trickles out across your clinic so we don't want to come in and have that like that military just the facts, ma'am. Like we, we don't want to have that kind of a style of a team. We want to have those niceties, but at the same point, we want to be able to have a time, like an actual window of time set aside for that. And if you feel like we're getting um, into, like things are starting to really drift out of that time, you can always say, okay, time out. We need to move on to the next thing. But Lauren, you're going up first next week at our leadership team meeting because I know you're bursting with something to tell us. or If you can't wait till then, get on our Slack channel and tell us what it is that you're so that you're so excited to be able to share with us. So give them a couple of options to do that. And then the other thing that we want to do to really maximize our efforts together is decide what you're supposed to be there for. So what's the number one priority? So you're doing this on a I like to call these drum beats, right? So every 
is it Thursday at three o'clock? You're hosting a leadership team meeting. That's the drumbeat. But when you get there, and even as a reminder that's coming to you in your calendar the day before, you want to tee up to your leadership team member. Hey, we're having you know our drumbeat tomorrow for our leadership team meeting. And this particular team meeting, our priority is to do this. So you're telling them what's the key thing we're coming together. And it could be the priority is to review the budget for the next quarter and I'll sign off on it. Or the, the, the priority for this particular meeting that we're having is to decide, are we terminating this person or not? And if we're not, what's the, the, the performance improvement plan going to be for him? So tell them in advance. So now their brains can start cooking. Now they can start fleshing out their own ideas so that when they get there, you're not wasting time talking about it. Mm -hmm. You come in to be able to do something about it because we know this is our number one priority for our gathering today. And if you reach a consensus, you make a decision, you create the thing, then you now have permission to move on to the next piece of the agenda and move forward with other things that you knew that you wanted to get at. But at least you can know at the end of that meeting, your number one priority got handled. Yep. Okay. So what would be your advice? So let's say that um, once a week, uh, the CEO sits down with the clinic director, like Mm -hmm. the main front desk admin to get a report on like things going on. What would you do if, so like, For instance, mine, I feel like loves this one-on-one time with me. Like it, 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 you know, she feels important or what, I don't know what, I don't want to put words in her head of like what, but like, what do you do when you have someone who's just kind of breezy through this and bringing up stuff that like, and I just wanted to give you a heads up that this is going on where you're just like, I didn't know. How do you train someone like get to the point again? without being super rude and offensive. Yeah. So one of my little tools I love to be able to use in a million different ways is good, better, best. And this comes, this is a style of giving someone feedback where you would say to her, I love our time together. And I know that you do too. And I think we've been doing a good job of hosting these weekly meetings. Let's take a few minutes and talk about what we could do to make our time together better. Here's what my preference would be. And I'm dying to hear what yours would be too, right? So then you tell them, I'm meeting with you for a half an hour every week. And I can't wait to hear about this, this, and this. And they can be, you know, money, uh, systems, problems, wait list. How many people are on a wait list this week? You decide what those three things are. And then you say to her, what would make this time with me better for you? Let me hear what your top preferences would be. And then she may say, I want to be able to come and tell you what my biggest challenge is this week and have you coach me on that. Or I want to be able to come and tell you, um, you know, how the rest of the admin team, you know, what their priorities are for the week. There's a big gold star for that one. Right. Because that's important for her. And it's also incredibly valuable to you to know as well. So then as you walk, walk through that, then give that a couple of weeks, see that style of the agenda. And by the way, she needs to have the agenda to come to these weekly 
touch points with you. It's not you. You're not creating the agenda. You're not running this meeting. She is. This is how she steps up and shows you how she's leading in her role. She is prepared every time she comes to this meeting because it's predictable. It's on a drumbeat. It's yeah. every Thursday at 10 a.m. for half an hour. She knows it. You know it. She comes prepared for it. And then once you try that out for a few weeks, then you circle back with the question that says, okay, when we first started this, we were pretty good at it. And, you know, here's where we were doing pretty well at. Then we had that conversation where we moved it over to being what's better for you and me. Let's take a few minutes and figure out what would be best for us and the clinic with the time that we have together. So you see what you've just done? You've helped her. You've acknowledged what she's done so far, which is really good. And here's what's feeling good about you. And then you've shifted her over into what and where could she influence this interaction with you to make it even better. And then you're moving her over into thinking like a business owner as to what would be best for the clinic and the team. Shelly, I don't want to do all this stuff. I just want to make money. I know, but this is part of being a leader, Lauren. So it's that whole, it's that whole idea of you can't wish for things to come into place. You can describe it. You can dream about it. You can cast your vision. You can describe every bit of what that vision would be, but then you also have to back it up with action. And these things can feel incredibly like heavy lifting at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But once you have your, your admin leader where she knows how to do this, guess what? Her next expectation is that she uses that same style of communication and that same way of yes. moments, you know, teachable moments for, and she's going to share that across all of her admin team. Mm -hmm. And now there's a goal. She has a goal to be able to have this wonderful ripple effect with everyone that she's responsible to within the admin department of your clinic. And, and now she feels ownership. Okay, mm -hmm. here's my ownership area and here's my decision spaces. Lauren just told me that she, we just worked through this. We, we fell down, we scraped our knees, we dragged our knuckles on the floor. The two of us trying to learn this stuff together. And now we're to a point where we both feel really good about it. Like we've really stretched ourselves to learn this good, better, best. And we've used a practical experience, which is our, our one-to-one -one every week. And now I have been given the opportunity to go and teach this to everyone that I'm responsible to. And we are going to become an incredible admin department because of it. And she's going to be able to leave her stamp on the business within that business function and feel really good about having that impact. Yep. Okay. Here is a tricky one. Maybe it's not tricky. I don't know. A lot of chiropractors work with their spouse. Mm-hmm. Whether they're both chiropractors or like in my instance, my husband is like marketing finance, HR, um, you know, sometimes it's the man's the chiropractor, the female's that role, yeah. like, mm -hmm. and do you have advice for couples of like, have running a meeting? I mean, I put air quotes, but it shouldn't be air quotes of like, what's your, yeah, what's your advice for a couple? that needs to have a meeting and like, how do they keep boundaries and like conversation? 
all of that. Part of it is you both need to have a defined role to play in each of those scenarios. So I like the idea that you both have roles within the clinic. They all have a title. I'm sure you're all both on the org chart. I'm sure you're responsible to specific people that you're guiding and giving daily direction to. I hope it's less than five. I always love to have our clients have less than five, five or less people reporting to them directly. Right. I've seen some org charts where it's a flat organization, meaning the owner and the CEO, everyone reports to her. And then she's wondering why she's so exhausted and burnt out. Right. We want to be able to have, we want to divide up the responsibility to coach and lead other people in a way that provides harmony for the business and the, the clinic owners, not where it's creating just overwhelm for them. So you're going to have these defined roles. The other thing that's going to have to happen is an adult conversation that says, hey, hubby, here's the deal. When we're in a meeting, this particular meeting, you are the owner of this meeting. You're the one facilitating it there. I'm there to engage and offer insight when you ask me for it. Hmm. Then that may be different than the style of communication that happens when you're deciding where your family's going out to eat. Yes. Completely different communication style than most husbands and wives have. Well, because, and the difference is you're not, you're not at work. You're at home. Anything goes at home. Mm-hmm. Anything goes at home. But when you're in the workplace, the one thing that we, you know, as the owner and as a spouse or a life partner of an owner, you have to remember that everyone's watching you. Both. They're watching you both and they're trying to learn from you both. And if you have people on your team that are, you know, thirsty for gossip and drama, they're going to find it. Mm-hmm. between the dynamics of you and your life partner. So having that adult conversation, it says, hey, here's the deal. When we're at work, I want to be able to defer to you in your zone of genius and in your areas of expertise. I will always defer to you. I may have my own opinions and I may have my own experiences, but what I want to be able to showcase to our team is that I'm going to give you the floor first. You will have the floor first because this is your zone of genius. And if you turn to me and and say, hey, Lauren, what are your thoughts on this? Believe me, I'll have thoughts for you, but I will always give you the floor first. And then you want to have that be very reciprocal. And what you're doing every time you commit to that style of presence, that style of communication in front of your whole team, you are teaching your team how to treat people with dignity and respect, even when you're married to them. And even when you can flip them the bird at home, you're not going to do that at work Mm -hmm. because you're wanting everyone to be professional. And it starts with you. And it starts with that relationship that you have with your life partner. So just remember, people are watching and wanting to learn from you. And they're also wanting you both to succeed. They want you both to love what it is that you're, that you do. And they want you both to stay together. Like they really want this. They do want it. Nobody wants to feel like the kid in the car where mom and dad are clearly fighting. And you're like, Oh Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> yes, no one wants that. And when you have a business where both spouses have key leadership roles, what that does is it automatically enforces, like it really does make it prevalent and a high priority for you to up level your communication style mm -hmm. with each other so that you can role model and demonstrate to your extended team how to interact at work with peers and colleagues on a professional level, regardless of the relationship you have outside of work. Because you can also bet that some of your associates may have gone to university together. They may have done their initial training at a particular hospital together. So they met their beer buddies on the weekend. You know, they play squash every weekend or they belong to the same um, running track. What we don't want to do is have that social relationship muddy the waters of what the relationship is at work. So right. what you're doing, you and your own life partner is you're demonstrating to those people that have these social relationships, how to behave at work in a really wonderful professional way. Yep. Our, our virtual, and cause you've said like in person multiple mm -hmm. times, are some of these meetings okay to be just on the phone? Like I'm not in clinic um, every day. Mm -hmm. And so like my main clinic director and I, we meet on the phone. Yeah. Okay. Is that Absolutely. why she lingers maybe? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we want to be able to give people FaceTime and you can do that in person is always best. Or you can do that through like what we're doing right here on Zoom, or you can record videos on Slack. What I'm trying to say here is you need to have a mix of audio conversations, voicemail conversations, Voxer, Slack audio conversations. And then you also need to have a set time, preferably on a drumbeat, where they know that they're actually going to see your face. Mm -hmm. Because when they see your face, that's the bonding moments of those touch points yeah. where they can see your facial expressions, they can see your body language, and it compounds the feedback that you're giving them. Like they can see, oh, she's pretty serious about this. Or they can be able to see, oh, wow, look, she's so happy for me. Like they can, they, they're people, they're humans. They can sense all these things. So let's make a mix of absolutely, let's be effective on your Slack or your Voxer or, you know, whatever, um, you know, monday.com or whatever it is that you're using to be able to run your team. Let's do audio stuff there. And we can do pre-recorded video stuff there. But let's also have on our calendar, predictable with a drumbeat that says this particular meeting is going to be in person yeah. or this particular meeting is going to be, you know, I'm going to take you out for lunch. Like every quarter, you know, you would take out your, your admin um, leader out for lunch. Let's, let's mix it up a little bit so that they get different experiences with you so that the person that lives in another state, she knows that it, her only like conduit to you isn't just Slack or Voxer or the or a cell phone. Yep. That there are times that you're you're creating time for this person to show up on a Zoom call with her, and it doesn't have to be every call, but you definitely want to have those planned for. Well, what I like is it's almost taking what, <laughs> so we don't use any um, Voxer or like audio messaging at all. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. just use like Microsoft teams, yep. um, in type 
or we're talking on the phone. And I think if I created this third way or, you know, or we meet in person, yeah. Yeah. If I created this additional way that she could offload a more complicated situation that she needs advice on, it may not be super pertinent. Like, Hey, I need to get on the phone with you today, but like, Hey, we have this patient. They're moving out of state. Are you okay with me breaking our policy on refunds? And she can put it out there talking And then I can, when I'm done with my workout or whatever, listen to it and record something back. That is a form of communication we don't have that I think would be really, really helpful. Because right now she'll be like, hey, do you have five minutes that we can get on the phone Mm. later today? I have something. And I'm like, I don't know my day. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, I I like that. Okay. One of my final questions for Mm -hmm. you, one of my final ones. Um, I get bored with our like meeting agenda probably twice a year. Like, I just feel like I'll read a book and I'll be like, okay, now we're going to follow Simon Sinek's recommendation for a team meeting. Is this okay? Or do you have like a specific agenda that you're like, no, this is what it should be all the time that works the best? I think people appreciate predictability Mm -hmm. and there's ways to deliver each of those agenda items without it being boring. So one of the ways that you can deliver an agenda item is switch up who's delivering it. Like who's facilitating, who's talking, who's got, who's got the floor. Switch up who is delivering because what's interesting for a team is to be able to see other people's leadership styles and learn from other people's way of communications. So it doesn't always have to be you or one of your associates leading the different aspects of an agenda, switch it up, give everyone a chance. Um, You can also, you know, one of the things I used to do all the time was I would create a schedule of who is going to lead our team meetings for the month. So this month it's Stephanie next month it's George. So George knows he's on the bench, right? Mm -hmm. He's warming the bench for next month. So he's going to watch what Stephanie's doing and think to himself, what could I do to bring my own flavor to this? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it takes the heat off that one person that has to always be leading these meetings. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's fun. It's fun to be able to see other people's different personalities and their styles of how they're delivering these meetings. But if you learn something new, right? Because I mean, one thing that great leaders are, I mean, leaders are readers and leaders have a curiosity to always continually wanting learning. But what we don't want to do is create this sense with our team that says, oh my gosh, she's reading this book. Get, pre- <laughs> get prepared. This is going to be a flavor of the month next, you know, next quarter or something. Yeah, so yeah, that sounds <laughs> terrible. No. Yeah. So what you want to be able to do is say, hey, I've read this book and I found this new thing. here's one piece that I thought was really exciting that I thought we might want to play around with. And you could say to your, to one person who is leading specific types of meetings, you could say to them, how about taking that and trying it out for a couple of weeks? Like you can try it in a different department. You don't have to try it across your clinic. You could take that new thing that you've learned 
and then try it out in a small way, or you're just going to try it with your own leadership team meeting and get the feedback about that. I, I have learned a lot. I have learned a lot. And like I said, sometimes I just wonder, like, should I still, should all, all of this seem so like groundbreaking of like, wow, how did I do this for 12 years without, you know, um, where can people get more of you and your leadership advice and your business advice? Like, I love what you have to say on this. Well, I would love to invite everyone to tune into the Stacking Your Team podcast, which we've been hosting now for over four years. We just celebrated 300,000 downloads. We're super excited about that. And I know that you too, Lauren, you just hit a huge milestone in downloads as well. Yeah, and yeah we had 200,000, like I think like two or three months ago. It was fun. This is exciting. <laughs> it is exciting because as podcasters, especially someone who does a lot of solo episodes, it can feel like you're talking to the air. <laughs> so knowing that people are, are tuning in is, is a wonderful, it's like wonderful me. validation. You really like me. Yeah, exactly. So I want to encourage you to come and tune in to the Stacking Your Team podcast that airs every Tuesday without fail. And I mentioned to you that we have a particular type of episode every single month. It's Ask Shelly How to Say It. So um, and people love those episodes. They literally write things down verbatim and then they go and they use those as scripts to have conversations with people. So I invite you to check it out. And I'm just looking forward to being able to help more people feel better and more confident mm -hmm. about how they lead in their businesses. And I want to encourage everyone that, you know, you didn't go to school for this. You're a healthcare professional that has an incredible credentials to be able to provide the services that you do. And it, that's wonderful. That's what you put your effort into it. So it doesn't matter if your business is a year old or 12 years old, like yours is along the way, you're going to have to pick up some of these additional skills mm -hmm. that um, are really going to help you. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. Um, she says, go listen to the podcast, Stacking Your Team. Team. Yep. We'll have, for sure, we'll have that in the show notes so you can easily find it. Um, Shelly, thank you so much for your time. It was and, wonderful getting to know you, Lauren. Yeah. Yeah. And you like, I love it because it sounds like you had done your homework. She like knew I was working on a home and I'm like, oh, I actually am at my cabin right now. Thanks for asking. <laughs> All right. She slayers until next week. Bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. <laughs>